0: Welcome to the Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeffrey. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Jeffrey, a compulsive overeater.
1: Hi. Hi,
0: For those of you who might be listening to this on the Internet, whenever it is, it's, uh, it's a Saturday night. It's the day before Valentine's Day. We're in Los Angeles. It was like 75 degrees today, sunny, beautiful, and uh, we're all here. and We get to participate in each other's recovery, so we're, we're pretty lucky, actually, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here, so thank you all very much. And uh, thank you very much for asking me to uh, step up and, and fill in. I came to OA in September of 2006, and I weighed about 291 pounds, and I got abstinent on November 19th, and I've been abstinent since then, so a little over three years, and I am weigh about 185 pounds now, so I've been um, hundred and some pounds, and, and uh, that's, that's where I am, and, he, and here I am, three, a little over three years later, and still maintaining. It's pretty amazing. I brought some pictures that I'll pass around, and um, wow, it's always quite a, quite a thing to see those pictures, I'll tell you. Okay, so what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. What it was like for me, I had a really good childhood. Crazy things happen, but I had a really nice childhood. I had two parents, a brother and a sister, and it was an incredibly loving place to grow up. We were encouraged, we were supported, and we were loved. As I always think back on that time, I had really nothing but happy memories. And it's not that I blocked anything out. I've spoken to my brother and my sister about this. We have happy memories growing up. And yet, um, regardless... I was a fat kid growing up, and um, my brother to this day, he's a compulsive overeater, and he's big. My, my, my whole family, my entire family, we're all addicts of some sort. I did have a couple crazy things that happened growing up. My parents got separated when I was seven years old, and my father moved to Atlantic City. I spent a lot of time with my dad in Atlantic City on the weekends, and I had a ball. He lived at a motel called the Strand Motel, which, um, which uh, later was bought by um, the Golden Nugget. But that was like my home away from home. And I knew all these people. And our, the, the way that it worked, and I just love this. I'm thinking about it. My dad passed away um, five years ago. But um, we used to go there on the weekends. And then we would get ready for dinner. We would go. He would get ready. He would take a shower. And I would go to the bar of this motel. And it was a really hopping place. It really was. And here I was, at eight years old, sitting at a bar, ordering drinks for people. At eight years old. And I felt comfortable doing it. That was, that, was the, that, that was how I was exposed. I was exposed to those kinds of people. I felt comfortable around those kinds of people, and I loved it, and I loved that time of my life. Is it right that an eight-year-old is ordering booze for a bunch of people that his dad didn't have money for? Probably not. But that's my story. That's my story, and, I, and it brings back really great memories. So that was when I was like seven or eight, and I can remember up until that point, I was always... I was always thin up until that point and my parents got separated and I remember I can remember what I ate every day when I was with my dad grilled cheese french fries and a coke that's what I had every day and I remember the pictures of me when I was nine years old so 1979 and I was chubby I was a chubby kid and um, yeah I was a chubby kid and I'll cut. I will cut uh, ahead a couple years, and I, I've shared this before. A lot of you know my story, but it, it's an important part of my story. It's a little uncomfortable, actually. But um, one of the other things that my uh, that my father did for me when I was 14 years old, when we were we spent a lot of summers in Florida. When I was 14, my birthday present was um, a hooker by the name of Mandy. And um, it was, uh, at 14 years old, it was an amazing, amazing experience.
1: Um,
0: But I don't think that it served me in the long run. (laughs) I really don't. And I can remember, because there's pictures that I'm passing around at 14, when I was... um, I was a normal weight. I mean, I was just a normal weight, although I always had a very skewed vision of myself. But I was a normal weight. So I had this hooker at 14 years old, and um, great experience.
1: But um, <laughs>
0: what what happened after that was I started gaining weight again. And something that happened also when I was a little bit younger Um, and it it also continued through my adult years, was I had an inappropriate relationship with my best friend's mother. And to make things worse, uh, that woman eventually became my stepmother. And so from a very young age, things were a little screwy for me. You know, they were a little screwy for me. And um, I just ate. You know, I just ate. That's what I did. And on the outside, things were always great. I always felt like whatever my dad had was mine. He was extremely successful, um, wealthy, took his company to the New York Stock Exchange, and I felt I was riding on his coattails, and that was going to be me. And and whatever he had was mine, and it was was great. But I just kept eating and eating and eating. And all through college, it was, um, you know... I remember I was I, I was I went to a, a school for um, uh, for theater and I was I really was the fattest one in my in my group but it was great because I got to pay, play all the character parts but I was heavy and I just and I just always eat and that's what I did all through college from from the time classes were done on Friday till I had to come back to class on Monday I went to my dorm room and I ate and I only came out to go eat that's all that I did. And I missed out on a lot of stuff. I missed out on so much stuff. I basically... Oh, I would say... Yeah, there was about ten years there that I lost. And it was from this disease of compulsive overeating. It was ten years. And... um, I'll never get it back. I'll never get it back. And that's okay. That's my story. Thinking about that time when I graduated college, and um, I was didn't know how to take care of myself. I was living off of dad's money. Uh, dad was paying my rent. Dad was paying my bills. Um, never had to... Uh, the experience of having the hooker at 14 years old was really skewed my thinking about what it is, what a relationship is. And uh, I never wanted... I, I, I wanted so badly to be with someone, but I found it so difficult, so difficult to connect. And I always felt very... Um, I felt different from other people. I felt better than other people. I felt that I, I I felt that I was better than other I was special and I was better than you. That's how I felt. And um and the pounds just kept coming and coming and coming and I just couldn't stop eating. And um eventually, I don't know how it is for all of you, but you get to a point of just complete and utter hopelessness, and you can't get out of it. I mean, it's it's. I, I I suppose the other feeling would be like if you're so in debt, how the hell do you get out of debt? If you owe so much, how can just paying a little bit here and a, how, how are you ever going to get out of it? And so, I went on diets before. I went on a lot of diets, and I lost weight, and I always gained the weight back. And um, I guess I can. I'll. I'll, I'll I'll jump around a little bit, but um, I was living out in Los Angeles, and I just have to say this. When I turned 30 in New York City, it was one of the worst days of my life, and it wasn't so much because I was turning 30. It was because my 20s were gone, and I did nothing. 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 When I lived in L.A., I basically was at the beach from Thursday to Sunday. That's what I did. I was making enough money doing what I was doing, but I wasted 10 years of my life And when I turned 30, I was absolutely miserable. I was fat, I was alone, and I was celebrating with my family, and it just didn't feel good. Nothing felt good. And I actually moved out to L.A. I'm going to cut up a little bit here. I I moved out to L.A., back to L.A., and I think it was 2002, and um, I felt really good. I had dieted down to about 213 pounds from about 213. 50 or 60 I don't know and uh, I had a friend who was in AA and he goes to the he went to the meetings in the valley and um, when I moved out here he said he, he, and, the, and the meeting was in the valley uh, when he went in right before him he thought it was an OA meeting because the people that were going in he saw them going in fat and over the months a lot of them were coming out thin so then he found out that it was it was OA and when I got out here he said he said why don't you um, check out an OA meeting and I just said what's OA? I never heard of OA. And he said, it's Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm like, yeah, I'll check it out. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm 200, I was looking good. I said, yeah, I'll check it out. I'll go. So, um, so I went and I hated it. Man, did I hate it. And I hated everybody in the rooms. <laughs> I really, really believed that everybody in the rooms were losers. And, um, And I remember there was a woman who had a license plate and I can still remember it and the license plate was PWRLSS for powerless.
1: And um,
0: I thought that that was... I thought it was disgusting. I I did. I used that word, but I thought it was disgusting. I I couldn't believe that somebody would advertise that they're powerless. Because that's not how I grew up. I grew up with a very successful father. If you want something, you work for it, you get it. You can get it, you can do it, you can do this. And you can probably do it on your own. You don't need other people. That's how I grew up. So um, I went to the meeting, and I hated it, but I stayed for 30 days. And I got a chip for 30 days uh, for not eating sugar and then I left. And that was it. And, um, so that was 213 pounds. And then the weight, of course it's going to come back on because it always came back on. So it comes back on, it comes back on, it comes back on. My father passed away um, and I went back, um, went back to the funeral. And I remember, I remember all the food. And I remember saying to myself, okay, If you can get through sitting Shiva and not eat any chocolate and not eat any nuts, you'll be okay. And I did. I white knuckled it. I didn't have any chocolate. I didn't have any nuts. And I came back to LA and I started gaining weight. Mm -hmm. Started gaining weight. And I couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating. And I've shared before the volume of the food that I eat and it was massive it was massive my binges would start on a Saturday at 5.30 in the morning and they didn't stop until I was home in front of my on my couch in front of my TV naked because my clothes wouldn't fit laying there like I, I couldn't move I just couldn't move and they were about twenty five thirty thousand 30,000 calorie binges and um, and to not be able to stop not being able to stop so what happened
1: um
0: I was becoming sick. I was taking um, two blood pressure medications to control my blood pressure. Uh, I had become type two diabetic, and I was taking uh, glucophage to control that a thousand milligrams a day. I was taking um, uh, cholesterol medication because my cholesterol was through the roof and um, and I was working a job and um, I was miserable at the job because it was it was a corporate job, and I didn't really like it. But I came into work on a on a Monday, and I came in and I was met by HR and a couple security guards, and I was fired. And that's how they fire you at this company. And I was happy. I was I was giddy because I was I I, I wanted to leave, but I didn't know how to leave. But I was also at my heaviest, of 291 pounds, and I was I was done. I was I was done. I hit it, and I was done. I remember I called my friend in AA. And I said to him, I remember these words. It was was amazing. I said to him, um, I said, here's the deal. I said, I know, I know that I will never, ever, ever be able to lose weight. I know that. I know that about myself. But I'm going to go back to OA because I've got no place else to go. And I walked into OA, and um, as I've said before, those same people that irritated me a couple years earlier were making a whole lot of sense now. And, uh, and, I, and I liked them. I liked what they had to say. And immediately, I found myself driving to the Darby office to buy literature. And I can remember the first time that I really sat down and started reading some of the literature and I felt, I, I was excited because I felt, that's my story. I felt like somebody interviewed me and wrote down what I had said. And I loved that. And I, and I was slowly, I was beginning to feel like a part of something I got a sponsor my my first sponsor was Scott he passed away a couple years ago he was my first sponsor and um, we started working the steps and I was still binging I was still binging while I was working the steps and I've said this story before but i got to say it again because it's how I got abstinent so I was binging while I was working the steps and I was a couple months into it and I was invited to this food tasting party and I, um, there was someone in program who, uh, who I, I really liked a lot, a woman who, who really had what I wanted, not just program-wise. but she <laughs> and, I, and I basically, I asked her on a date, basically, and I said, do you want to come with me to this food-tasting party? And she said, sure, I'll come with you. And I was like, great. And I said, you know, it's a food-tasting, so we'll go, we'll make the rounds, we'll have a nice dinner. She said, well, I will have eaten my dinner by then, but if you want to eat, feel free to eat and I did I thought she was a little crazy I said you know it's a food tasting party but okay so um, I picked her up and we went to this food tasting party and I had every intention in the world to just eat not binge or anything but just eat there and an amazing thing happened we we stood in the middle of the room while this event was taking place and we just talked program and the obsession was lifted And I I was literally struck abstinent that night. And so I don't have the experience of sitting with feelings while I put the food down. That's not my experience. I didn't have to go through that, because I was binging while I was working the steps. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. It stopped. And I said to myself, but what happened? Because usually it's, I'll just start tomorrow morning. I'll just start tomorrow. I don't need to do this now. I'm at a food tasting party. This is great. But something happened and I'm reminded, I'm reminded when I think of that day how important it was that I wound up getting abstinent with someone else in the program. I couldn't do it alone. And there really began the idea of being not dependent but relying on other people and, and, and really becoming a part of in this program. So I got abstinent, and it's important to know that my meals were gigantic meals that I was eating. I mean, I was still having breakfast burrito for breakfast, and I don't know how many calories it had, and my salad for lunch was packed high. And I'm not kidding, I probably had at least a thousand calories worth of dressing on it. I I mean, it would just be covered in (laughs) dressing, but they were meals. And I wasn't binging anymore, and I wasn't eating at night, and I didn't have the desire to do that anymore and I was emailing my food to people and they were they were not telling me nobody told me what to eat or what to do they said email me your food and just do what you're doing just keep doing what you're doing and I remember there was one point where they came up to me and they said you have to start eating more food and I didn't understand that I said I don't understand what do you mean I don't understand how do you how do you lose weight if you eat more food they said eat more food and the thing is is that and I said this before when I came into OA I was done I was spent Mm -hmm. I knew instinctively that my way of doing things didn't work. So when I got a sponsor, when they told me to do something, I did it. I didn't ask questions. I didn't nobody ever said put down the food. But when they told me to do something, how do I know better? If I knew better, I wouldn't be in a twelve step program. I'm sick. I'm sick. I didn't know that I was spiritually sick. I just but I was sick. My head didn't work. It did not work. And it's, it's crazy to think that I turned to food. I mean, it, I, it, it's just crazy that I did that. Not, cigarettes, alcohol, no. It was the food for me. But I did what my sponsors asked me to do, and I never questioned them. Because God knows my way of doing things was really destructive, and how could your way of doing things be any worse? So I'll try it. And really amazing things happened when I did that. When I, stopped, when I fired myself as the quarterback and the director of my own life, that's when everything started happening. And let me tell you something. I'm three years into this. I still take it back. I still take it back all the time. And I pay for it. I pay for it. And that's why I meet with my sponsor. And that's why I work the steps. That's why I have fellowship with other people in this program who still have what I want. I still seek out those people who have what I want. So I started working the steps. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit about higher power. I've always had a relationship with higher power. I'm Jewish. I've, I've always believed in God. And I always felt that my God was a personal God to me. I never liked feeling that I was a Jewish person among other Jewish people, praying to God. I felt like it was me and God. But my way of talking to him was... It was always a negotiation. You know? Just, just, just get me this, and, I'll, and I won't do that. Or I need this, or I want this. I, and so I came into program, and I still have the same higher power. It's the same higher power I've always had. But the relationship has changed a little bit. And when I started working these steps of Overeaters Anonymous, these steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, these 12 steps, it changed my life unbelievable things happened in my life and I I remember when I was working step one I didn't know what step two said when I was working step two I didn't know what step three said and when I was on three and everybody said step four step four I didn't know what it was and when I got to it I did it and then I did step five to read everything and my second sponsor was a woman and I was reading her this sex stuff to my sponsor at her house beautiful beautiful setting she's so loving I, I love her and um, and I can remember reading some really, really dark things. And these weren't things that I suppressed. I talked about these things to other people. But to then have it on paper and really in the same spot admit my faults to God, to another human being, to myself. And I remember having the paper like this and I was reading it. And I can remember as I was reading it I sort of, you know, looked over <laughs> while, while I was reading it and she had her eyes closed and at the end and what really got me at the end of, of reading that, that, that four step to her was what got me so emotional was not everything that I revealed to her. The last few questions that I answered were, How's your life today? And that's when I started, when I was writing, when I was reading what I had written about how my life is today, I started bawling. And I, I, because you're reading, I mean, you're reading this thing and you're like, My God, this guy is sick. He is spiritually sick. How's life today? Life was so much better. And um, and and I even said to her, I said, what do you think about that one part in there when I mentioned that thing about that thing? And she said, Jeff, she said, um, look at the lengths you went just to feel. Look at what you had to do just to feel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you know. And as my sponsor, Scott, used to say, when I got down on myself or when something happened, he would say, Jeff, Today's been a good day. If you owe an amends, you'll do it in your fourth step. You'll you'll write about it in your eighth step. You'll make it in your ninth step. In the meantime, get on with the business of living. Good advice. I like that. Get on with the business of living. And um, I led this meeting, um, I guess almost two years ago. And when I led the meeting, one of the things that I said I really wanted, and I've always wanted this in my life, I wanted the experience to know what it would be like to be with a woman and love that woman and have that woman love me and, um, and to wake up in the morning have her there run my fingers through her hair and feel good wow, wouldn't you know July 18th I'm getting married and um, yeah I, I never thought that I thought it, but I didn't think that it would be possible for me. And I think that that is part of what they say when beyond your wildest dreams. And literally, beyond your wildest dreams means things that you cannot think about yet, that you don't know. And um, I will tell you that this program gives me great hope. I love the people in this program. I feel lucky to be in this program. And I feel... um, a ten minutes, thank you i feel I feel incredibly lucky to be in this program, and I feel I know that my father is up in heaven. I believe in that. I, I I know that he's up there, and I know that he's looking down and he is laughing his ass off because he's getting to see me in a way that he never could be. and I, and i and I do believe I, I believe that when you die, all of your answer, all of the answer, all of the questions that you have are answered, and life just sort of makes sense. And I feel like we get a little bit of a piece of that here. I feel like we get a we get a piece of um, serenity and peace, and things make sense. I'm lucky. I'm a lucky guy. I think everybody in here is lucky. I don't care what you're going through. I think we're all lucky. And I said this before. I don't have all the money in the bank that I thought I'd have. I'm not driving the car that I thought I'd drive. I'm certainly marrying the woman, that's for sure. Um, but I don't have a lot of the things in my life that I thought I would have. But I have everything that I need, and I'm taken care of. And I I truly believe... And this isn't all the time, guys. This is, this is sometimes things get crazy, you know. But I truly believe that I will be taken care of. And I believe that I need to keep coming to meetings... Because the minute I skip a couple meetings, Jeff can do it. I can do it. I know I can do it. And I can't do it. I can't do it because my food gets bigger. And it's just it's fucking crazy. It's crazy. Going out to eat. I mean, I can do it. I can do it. Can't do it. And that's why I keep coming back. And that's why, um, that's why I love this program. And I, and I will say, welcome to the newcomer. You're in the right place. You are in the right place. And I hope you stay. I hope you stay for the miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm a living miracle. Let me tell you. I am a living miracle. And I don't say that with ego. I say it because it's true. It's true. And there are many people in this room who are miracles. And I feel great. And I feel great. And I'm really happy to be here. And I, and I, I want to take some questions in the couple minutes that we have left. So thank you for letting me share. Michael has a question.
1: Jeffrey, uh, the, the question I've got for you, when you were sending your photographs around, I looked at them and the first thing that came into my alcoholic head was I used to look like that. And the second thing that came into my head was God, I could go back to being like that. And I suffer a lot from
0: fear of going back to the way my life was. Do you? Absolutely. how do you deal with that? I'll tell you, uh, how do I deal with the fear of um, no, thinking that I can go back to that, to that weight? Um, when I first started losing the weight, I remember saying to my sponsor, Scott, I was feeling really good, and I said something about me, and he pulled me aside and he said, Jeff, he said, if you think this is anything other than higher power doing for you, what you can't do for yourself, we're going to have a very tough time working together. And I used to think, no way, no way can I go back to 291 pounds. And I'm here to tell you, yes Yes way. Uh, absolutely absolutely when I I went to Spain with my fiance in October and let me tell you Spain good tapas and really good drinks and uh, I came back and I gained a little bit of weight and that little bit of weight gain well you asked me to speak a few months ago and I said I can't do it I don't have the experience I have the experience I don't have the strength and hope to share I don't have it and it was hard for me to say no back then Um, but You get this little bit of a weight gain, and it plants the seed, that that seed in your head, and that turns to this obsession of the mind, and it's so hard to get out of. And for me, it starts with the food on my plate. And when I'm home, and I'm making a steak, that steak is amazing and delicious and lovely. And if I don't cut off six or eight ounces, I'm eating the whole fucking thing. And that's what I have to do. And it starts with the food on my plate. And it's a serious thing for me. It is a serious piece of business for me, this food. And for me, it starts with the food. It has to. And guess what? I don't always do it. I take my will back all the time. I'm a person. I'm imperfect. But, uh, yeah. Thanks. Hi, Thank you so much. So, on the,
1: at the times that you don't cut off the down to you eat the whole steak mm-hmm. what do you say
0: to yourself after that meal is over what do I say to myself when the meal is over when I don't cut off those four or six ounces that I eat the whole steak that's a good question um, sometimes I let it slide and um, I report my food every day to my sponsor I let him know what I eat um, but sometimes when I write down barbecue and he writes back, what exactly is barbecue?
1: <laughs> I thought I was...
0: I had barbecue for dinner. Or I had enough freaking barbecue to feed four people. I, you know. Um, wh- what do I think? Um, I, I, I usually think about it the next morning because um, I, I, it's, it's an overindulgence. I used to ask my sponsor, how do you know the difference between when you eat too much and when you compulsively overeat? And he said, for me... When I, compulsive overeating is eating to fill a void that, that no food can fill. Well, you know, that sounds good, but sometimes I just eat too much. I mean, why did I do it? I'm a compulsive overeater. And, yeah, I know that there's something beyond it. There's, there, there's deeper feelings, and I need to sit with certain things. I'm a low-bottom, compulsive overeater. I mean, I, the quantity of food that I can eat is tremendous. What do I say? Sometimes I let it slide... It comes back to me. It comes back to me when I have to weigh in the next week and I'm not where I want to be. But as my sponsor says to me, medically, I'm out of the woods. I used to be morbidly obese. I'm not there anymore. Medically, you're out of the woods. Gain two pounds, lose three, gain five. I haven't done that. Gain a few pounds, lose a little bit. You're out of the woods medically. Let's deal with this on a daily basis. That's what I have to do every day. Every day is a new day. One day at a time program. That's it. My God, do I know that. One day at a time. What is your abstinence and food plan? Okay. What's my abstinence and food plan? Do I have a... How much time do I have left? A couple of minutes. Uh, my first sponsor described abstinence to me this way. He said, Abstinence is a spiritual condition. It's about the kind of man that I want to become and the kind of man that higher power has always had in store for me. And your food plan is simply another tool that gets you there. In terms of what is my abstinence, it's three meals a day and up to two snacks, and I don't eat after dinner. Uh, I don't eat fast food, I don't eat sugar in terms of cakes and candies and pies. Trust me, I get plenty of sugar in ketchup, I get plenty of sugar in um, in my fruit, and I get plenty of sugar when I have a Mai Tai. It's all sweet. I know that it is. I don't go near the donuts and the things like that that were real big, big binge foods for me. And my food plan is um, it's eating sober. It's eating three meals a day, and, and that's a meal, and I also count calories. I keep it between 1,800 and 2,000 calories. And when I go over 2,000 calories, the weight goes up. And I've been told by my sponsor and other people in program that as I continue in this program, I will probably need less food. And I don't like that,
1: but I will tell you
0: one thing. Something that this program has done for me. The variety of food that I eat is so much greater and tastier and better for me than the shit that I used to shovel in my mouth. I can still, when I walk by a McDonald's and I smell that fat and that grease, I salivate. It takes me to that place. And I want it. I want it. I don't eat that stuff. I can have a hamburger. I just want to say this. I can eat a cheeseburger at Father's office that has ten times the amount of calories in it that the cheeseburger at McDonald's has, but I can't eat the McDonald's cheeseburger because that's where I used to binge. So, um... Three meals a day, up to two snacks, no eating after dinner, and I, eat. I try to eat sober with my food and not gorge myself, not stuff myself, and stick between 1,800 and 2,000 calories. That's all the time that I have. Thank you very much for.) <laughs>